Listening to Brunch with me, Noreen Mayer, this Wednesday morning. And since it's Wednesday, you know it. It is that time of the week for the one and the only Cruzy McCalligan for our midweek audio column. Cruz, good morning. Good morning, Noreen. How I, are you? I'm good. I'm hopping into the studio today to talk about grasshoppers. What inspired yes. you? Um, my children have a toy grasshopper. <laughs> and I've just I just I just keep looking it's a very realistic looking one it's very good yeah and I'm just I always look at it I'm like god that's really fascinating grasshoppers I haven't really thought about a grasshopper and then um, I thought I'm going to think about grasshoppers the, so, they, they, they are I've got a grasshopper story I'd like to share with you maybe at the end of the program okay yeah. is it a positive one no. Oh no. Ooh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Maybe we'll think about whether we share. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I mean, okay. not positive for the grasshopper. Oh, I see. No yeah. problem. Um, firstly, grasshoppers and locusts are one and the same. Yeah. Yes. You would know this. Of course, a plague of grasshoppers just doesn't have the same ring ring to it. I guess. Grasshoppers I mean, you think, are cute. Yeah, they're cute think, and yeah. fun, and there's like a playfulness to a grasshopper. Yes. You know what I mean? Um, but of course, when we think of grasshoppers, most of us have pretty pleasant memories of trying to catch them if they're jumping and things like that, or just stepping into grass and just seeing them all hop out of the way. It's quite a lovely feeling, really. Um, but <clears throat> grasshoppers and locusts are they're the same of this sort of the same insect order and while certain species are commonly referred to grasshoppers and others are more commonly referred to as locusts um they're both these sort of jumping herbivores basically <laughs> jumping now herbivores. interesting facts about grasshoppers um they have ears on their bellies oh right so the grasshoppers auditory and obviously I need to put a pin in this to say that we're going to definitely talk about the bouncing because it's obviously the hopping is a big part of the proposition. We'll get back to that. But firstly, grasshoppers' auditory organs are not found on the head but rather on the abdomen. A pair of membranes that vibrate in response to sound waves are located on either side of the first abdominal segment tucked under the wings. This simple eardrum, called a tympanal organ, allows the grasshopper to hear the songs of its fellow grasshoppers. So isn't that amazing? Oh, wow. Like it has this sort of like, you know, you think an ear on their tummy, gross. But actually, they, they, that's, they can feel the songs. They can hear the songs of other grasshoppers. In their belly. That's so In cute. their belly. Um, now, although grasshoppers can hear, they can't distinguish pitch very well. As with most insects, grasshoppers' auditory organs are very simple structures. They can detect differences in intensity and rhythm, but not pitch. So the male grasshopper's song isn't particularly melodic which is a good thing because the females don't really care if a male can carry a tune because they wouldn't be able to hear it anyway. So each species of grasshopper produces a characteristic rhythm that distinguishes its song from others and enables courting males and females of a given species to find one another. Aww. So cute. Um, <clears throat> now, how do they actually make their music? This is a really interesting. Most grasshoppers stridulate, which simply means that they rub their hind legs against their forewings to produce that trademark tune right yeah so, I can't actually I, no, make can't a grasshopper do, yeah. noise actually unfortunately yeah. um, special pegs on the inside of the hind leg act like a percussion instrument of sorts when they come in contact with the thickened edge of the wing the band winged grasshopper grasshoppers crepitate Okay, so it's another word, crepitate, or loudly snap their wings as they fly. So they have different ways of making quite complex rhythms and sounds which I find really really fascinating of course, let's talk about the big elephant in the room, which is the hop part. If you've ever tried to catch a grasshopper, you know that they can jump pretty far to flee danger, right? And if humans could jump the way grasshoppers do, we would be able to leap the length of a football field. 
Whoa. It's mind blowing. The length for their of a, size. For their size, yeah. yeah. Um, and it's how can they do this? Well, it's all in those really big back legs that they have. A grasshopper's hind legs function like miniature catapults. So, in preparation for a jump, the grasshopper contracts its large flexor muscles slowly, bending its hind knees at the knee joint. And a special piece of cuticle within the knee acts as a spring, storing up all the potential energy. Then the grasshopper relaxes its leg muscles, allowing the spring to release its energy and fling the insect into the air. It is mind blowing to think about that level of complexity and kind of <clears throat> engineering, right, to make that happen. It's absolutely amazing. This is a natural creature. It's absolutely incredible. Now, of course, the interesting thing is that because they jump, a lot of people don't realize that they also can fly which is where we have the plague of locusts. They didn't bounce into town, yeah. the plague of locusts. They flew. They flew. Yeah. Um, and grasshoppers use their jumping ability to give them a boost into the air. But most are pretty strong flyers and actually use their wings to escape predators. So they've got lots of ways of getting out of the way, which is pretty amazing. Um, they can devastate food crops, which is where this yeah. plague idea comes from. A lone grasshopper can't do too much, but um, even though it eats about half its body weight in plants each day, I didn't realize they ate so much. Wow. Um, but when locusts swarm, their combined feeding habits can completely defoliate a landscape, which would leave people without crops, farmers without food. It can be absolutely devastating. devastating. Yeah. And in 2006, researchers reported an earlier study estimating that damage to forage crops amounted to $1.5 billion American, uh, US rather, was caused annually by grasshoppers. That's how much damage they can do. No and wonder people think they're pests. It can be so devastating. Absolutely. Yeah. In 1954, there was a swarm of desert locusts who consumed over 75 square miles of wild and cultivated plants in Kenya. Like mind-blowing amounts of land covered, you know, just gone, just eaten <laughs> by this relatively small thing. Um, but what's also interesting is that they've got it coming because they um, people have been consuming locusts and grasshoppers for centuries. I've seen them in Thailand. Yes, yes. Like, so yeah. I have eaten grasshoppers, I'll tell you in a minute. <clears throat> so according to the Bible, John the Baptist ate locusts and honey in the wilderness. Locusts and grasshoppers are a regular dietary component in local diets in many areas of Africa, Asia and the Americas. And because they're packed with protein, they're an important nutritional staple as well. Wow. So, yeah, so I have actually tried grasshoppers. Maybe I have too. Yeah. yeah. It was on skewers. Oh, I in haven't Thailand. had them like that. I had them like freeze dried. Freeze dried. I haven't had them. I had them, yeah. Because I went through a phase of me and my husband eating lots of insects to try and like save the planet. I still would, but it was getting quite expensive, yeah. which kind of defeated the purpose. Yeah. Um, but grasshoppers were a funny one because they looked, still looked like a grasshopper. There was other insects that you can eat that don't necessarily look like what you're eating. That's but a grasshopper looks like a grasshopper. Yeah. So you'd buy a bag of it? A bag of grasshoppers, but they'd kind of like be broken apart i mean they'd be like they'd been roasted or whatever sure, they weren't just yeah. raw no. dead insects because that's a bit weird and i'm not a anteater or badger but um but these um <laughs> they'd kind of like break uh, break into pieces but you'd have like there'd be like a head with eyes on it or whatever yeah, and, yeah, like, yeah, a, yeah. obviously a grasshopper leg yeah fascinatingly though they are extra crunchy so you think it would be this kind of sinewy thing but actually yeah. it's very easy so to eat crunchy. them yeah. super crunchy actually very easy to eat yeah. taste a bit grassy yeah, yeah, it tastes a bit sort of, uh, yeah, I don't know. It didn't, didn't taste very nice, the deep fried one that Oh, had. really? Didn't it? Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. I should find some others to snack on with you sometime. But they can be quite, they're very, very good for you. And I yeah. do believe in 
entomophagy in eating of insects. It's yeah. a very um, sustainable way to have human beings consume protein, much more so than meat, for yeah. sure. Um, now, modern-day grasshoppers descend from ancient ancestors that lived long before dinosaurs roamed the Earth. So they're quite an ancient creature. Fossil records show that primitive grasshoppers first appeared during the Carboniferous period, which was more than 300 million years ago. And most ancient grasshoppers are preserved as fossils, although grasshopper nymphs, which is the second stage in the um, grasshopper lifestyle, um, like, life, sorry, cycle. life cycle, life cycle, um, uh, occasionally found like in, nymph. <laughs> in, in, in amber. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, you can find those too. Um, they, also do, they can also spit... Apparently they can spit liquid to defend themselves. It actually says here, if you've ever handled grasshoppers, you've probably had a few of them spit brown liquid on you in protest. And I'm like, no, <laughs> I'm glad I haven't experienced this. Um, and this apparently is a self-defense and the liquid helps the insects repel predators. And some say grasshoppers spit tobacco juice because um, this is they've historically been associated with tobacco crops. Oh. And they're not actually chewing cud, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it's quite fascinating. They have a lot of nutritional value if you do eat them. They're about 40% protein, 43% fat, and 13% dietary fiber. They are a high fiber food. Whoa, and yeah. Everything from them. You do. Um, grasshoppers have higher protein content than many other animals and plant sources like chicken, eggs, and beans. And grasshoppers have a higher fat content than meat and fish. And um, <clears throat> yeah, so wow. it, they're a very nutritious, nutritious food. They're yeah. a very, very nutritious food. If you're out food. in the wild and, yeah. you know, stuck out there. Yeah. You try and catch them. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, now, in New Zealand, when I used to live in New Zealand, we had a kind of grasshopper. It's kind of like a giant grasshopper called a weta which is kind of the world's biggest grasshopper. Now, I'm not super squirmish about insects, but I don't like wetters. Well, how big <laughs> are they? They're big. They can grow up to four inches or 10 centimeters long. <gasps> wow. Which is pretty, pretty big. Um, so wetters spelled W-E-T-A-S. And <clears throat> you'd often find them like underneath the deck of a house or something. They kind of hang out in sort of dark, wet cave type climates so that you'd find them inside your shed or somewhere you weren't expecting to find them these aren't hanging out in the grass they're kind of like cave animals um which has always made me feel a bit spooked by them to be honest um but they're quite fascinating in that way too they um, look like little lobsters yeah that's a good way to describe them actually yeah. they are kind of like a little bit like little lobsters Ooh, um scary i really loved this a whole fact i came across actually around um people who made like um, hoax postcards in the 1930s about giant grasshoppers. So this is like before people had Photoshop, right? There was a swarm of grasshoppers which descended in Garden City in the US, in Kansas. And um, basically uh, people were like, oh my gosh, there's all these grasshoppers. But people created these hoax um, postcards of like people holding like a huge grasshopper, like the size of like bigger than a turkey or something you know massive grasshopper like it was a trophy prize that they'd hunted this enormous grasshopper and they look quite convincing the photographs considering it's not photoshop this is what people have done you know in a different way um and they made these sort of hoax post um postcards which apparently have still fueled this thing that people are like did you know you can get these giant giant grasshoppers and you absolutely can't and i just love that this was this whole segment of history where people were kind of like um the end of the world <clears throat> the end of the world were trying to sort of say like oh you know people be like well pictures don't lie it's yeah. like well they absolutely do there's no grasshopper that's half the size of a human being you know um 
So it's absolutely fascinating. Um, but yes, that's grasshoppers. I have one quote to finish on today, which Please. I thought was lovely, from Mehmet Murat Ildan, who said, The heaven of a grasshopper is the wheat field. The heaven of man is the same place, the very earth itself where we get our food and build our happiness. Mm. I was like, we don't have that much. You know, we've got something in common with them, I suppose. We yeah. do. Yeah. And, you know, it doesn't discriminate. <clears throat> we share the same no. environment. But it's also cool to eat them. Yes. <laughs> On this note, well, let's have a think. I'll have to look up some yummy recipes to eat grasshoppers. Yes. Well, Chris, thank you so much for your time today. Until next time. Bye for now. Bye.